Jesus Christ is God and Savior, and you want to put this down, Jesus is the greatest person who has ever lived, right? And when we say person, we understand that he's a person, but he's also God. He's the God-man. He's the eternal God. He is the Savior. He's the, the King. He's the Creator, the Redeemer, the Sustainer, the Provider, the Protector. You don't have to write all that down. You know, already know all that. He's the, he's the Creator, Redeemer, Sustainer, Provider, Protector. He's God. He's Savior. He's Creator. He's everything. He created all things. He holds things together. He is the eternal God. And at a point in time in history, he became a human being. And that's why he's called the God-man and the Savior of the world. And when we think about God, we realize there's one God in what? Three, Three persons. The Trinity. When you think about the Trinity, it's made up of what? The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And that's how we think about it. And we think that there's what? One God in three what? Persons. Okay, do you understand that? No, you can't. I, nobody can understand that. Just like you can't understand how God, Jesus is God and man at the same time. You could say, well, he, is he 50% God, 50% man? No, he's 100%, 100%. Well, that doesn't make sense. And when you say there's one God, but he's in three persons, and you go that, you mean there's one God, and every now and then he's the Father, and every now and then he's the Son, and every now and then he's the Holy Spirit? No, no, he's always the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. There's only one God. But that doesn't make sense. I know it's beyond our comprehension. And, I mean, I've had people say, well, sometimes he acts out as the father. Sometimes, no, no, not sometimes. He's always the father. He's always the son. He's always the Holy Spirit. And this is beyond us. And when we think about the, 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 the father, is the father a spirit being? He is. He's a spirit being. Does he have a body? No, he doesn't have a body. That's why I put uh, John 4. I think it's supposed to be John 4.30. Uh, isn't it? Is it John 4.24, I think. I don't know why it's got 4.23. Let, let me look real quickly to make sure I've got the right verse for you. I think it's John 4.24. Am I right on that? God is a spirit and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. It's John 4.24. And I think this has 4.23. It should be 4.24. God is a spirit. So when you think about the Father, what's it going to look like? I don't know. I don't know, right? And then let's, let's jump down to the Holy Spirit. Is the Holy Spirit a spirit? <laughs> it pretty much by his name. He tells you he's a spirit, right? And if you look at uh, John 14, 17, he's called the spirit of truth. So he's a spirit being. So here's the Father who's a spirit being. Here's the Holy Spirit who's a spirit being. Here's the Son, Jesus Christ. Now, when did he become the Son? Always. It's always been the Son. So, you th I've, I've, I mean, I remember a teaching not too long ago that some people were saying that Jesus was there, but he didn't become the Son of God until he became a person. No, that's not true. He's always the eternal Son, always has been. Now, the eternal Son was a spirit until a point in time in history, and he became a human being. And that's the Philippians passage that I told you to turn to. Look at what it says, and let me flip, get back over there because I had to go look something up. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 says, Have this attitude in yourselves which was in Christ Jesus, who although he existed in the form of God. Now the Greek word there for form means an outward manifestation of an inward reality. When it says form of God, it doesn't mean like he looked like God. No, he is God. And his outwardness and his inwardness all come together. He did not regard equality with God something to be grasped at. In other words, he didn't have to hold on to that. He emptied himself. The Greek word means to, to empty, to let go, to, to, cover, you know, to take away. It's just a unique word, kenosis. And it says he emptied himself, taking on what? The form of a what? Of a bondservant and made in the likeness of a what? 
of men, of a man. He found in appearance as a man. And so what happened is he left the glories of heaven and became a person. That's Jesus. He became a person. Is he still God? He's the God-man. He's the God-man. There's nothing like him ever. There's God and there's man, but there's only one God-man. And that's why Jesus Christ can be the mediator between God and men. And that is the man Christ Jesus, as he tells us. And so that's powerful. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14 says, He took on flesh. I don't know if I, I didn't put that there, but just, just right out beside that, just put that he took on flesh, that he made, was made like us. Now think about this. Let me, let me ask you, before we go any further, this is not even part of this. Why in the world would Jesus Christ become a human being? Huh? Okay, so let's just so, so what does that have to do with it? Huh? So okay, so he became a what? He became a person, so he could what? Uh, so y'all got that? Y'all got down? You, that's what you're telling me that the reason he became a person was so that he could die, and this is part of the salvation plan, right? Because mankind is all what? All what? Sin to come short of the glory of God, right? So we've all sinners and we need a Savior. And what's the wages of sin? Death. And so he can't die as God, can he? In a sense. Of, so he must become a human being. And why would he become a human being? Why couldn't he become an angel and die? Angels don't. Well. Okay, so he's dying for mankind. So if you're going to be the sacrifice for man, you're going to have to have a perfect what? Perfect man, because see, they did animals all throughout history, right? And animals only covered sin, because an animal can't pay for a man's sin. And if I asked you a question, does, Jesus, does God want a human sacrifice? The answer is, yes, he wants a human sacrifice. The only sacrifice that can pay for human being sin is a perfect human being. There's only been one. That's why when Abraham was going to offer up Isaac, God stopped it. Isaac was not a perfect sacrifice. That's why as they were going there, and Isaac said, I, you know, I got the fire, you got the knife, we got all this stuff. Where's the, where's the lamb? And, and Abraham said, the Lord will provide. He wasn't talking, I mean, he might have been talking about it right then, but it's a foreshadow of the Messiah, Jesus Christ. So why would Jesus Christ become a person? Because he's got to be a person to die for people. That's why we talked about this whole thing about angels. There's no salvation for the angels. Jesus didn't become an angel to pay for angel sin. He became a human being to pay for human being sins. And that's why it's so important. So as we think about Jesus being the, the most important person in the world, this lesson... Yeah, question? Oh, Hebrews 2.14 is one, also verse 17 is one. So as we look at this lesson, we're seeing, and the reason we're talking about this is because we're seeing how the angels relate to Jesus Christ, the ministry of angels to Christ. So we see the Jesus, the God-man, and this whole study, we're going to look at this. Now, there's no plan of salvation for angels, so they're interested in what God is doing. So we're going to focus on that tonight. Now, remember, we've already looked. I've got on your hand that their angels minister to God the Father. We talked about that. We even had that on the quiz, and you answered it. Then we talked about angels minister to mankind, and we talked about that. Well, tonight we're going to look at the angels ministry to Christ. So you can fill that out if you want to. The angels ministry to Christ. And we're going to look at something that you might not have thought about. We're going to look at two things tonight. Number one. 
It's at the bottom of your page. Is that where everybody is? Number one, we're going to look at called the angel of Jehovah. The angel of Jehovah. Found throughout the Old Testament. The angel of Jehovah. And make sure it's the angel of Jehovah. The angel of Jehovah. And then number two, we're going to look at angels' ministry to Jesus Christ. That's how we're going to tie it in. So let's look first as you go to the top of the next page. The angel of Jehovah. Now, we've heard of Jehovah, right? You've heard of Jehovah's Witnesses, right? Where is the word Jehovah in the Bible? In your English Bible, sometimes it says Jehovah, doesn't it? But, by the way, I just want you to understand, there is no such word as Jehovah in the Bible. There's not one. Now, in our English translation, sometimes they'll put something down and put Jehovah, or they'll say something, uh, Jehovah Jireh. Let me show you something. This is Hebrew word for the Lord. It's Y-H-W-H. It's actually, it's actually, it's actually goes this way. This is Hebrew. Y-H-W-H, but we write it back this way. Y-H-W-H. That's the consonants. Hebrew has consonants. In fact, almost all of their words have three consonants. Like M-L-K, Melech, is the word for king. And if you said kingdom, it would take those same three letters, M-L-K, and they would put different vowels and different endings on it. And one word would be kingdom, another word might be king, another word might be kingly. And that's just how Hebrew is. It's really, I think it's hard. It's hard for me, especially with dyslexia, especially since it goes the opposite direction that we normally read. Okay, and then there's the word Adonai. Adonai is the word for Lord in the Old Testament. This word, when you see it, it's capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. Anytime in the Old Testament you see the words, all capital, it's Y-H-W-H. It's this word in Hebrew. It's the personal name of God. Then there's a name. Now, there's another name, just God, which is Elohim or El. We're not talking about that. We're talking about another word, which is Adonai, and it's capital L, little O, little R, little D. So anytime in the Bible you're looking and you see a capital L but little letters, it's this word. And when you see all capitals, it's this word. Jewish people said that this is the personal name of God. So we probably shouldn't say it. Like if the most important person came in the room and his name was George Johnson, you'd say, hey, Mr. Johnson, you wouldn't say George. Hey, George, you wouldn't say George because George, he's too important. So the Jewish people would say, God is too important for us to use his personal name. So what they did is they took the constants from this word and the vowels from this word. And see, that's like a J. It doesn't look like a J, but it is. And there's an A, and there's an H, and there's an O. And this is really, a, it's a W, but it's like a V. And then there's an A, and there's an H. And they came up with the word Jehovah. We sometimes put an E there instead of the A. And so what Jehovah it really is, it's a combination of Yahweh, Y-H-W-H, and Adonai, which is the word for Lord and Lord or Lord God or God or the personal name of God. And so when you hear people say, like the Jehovah's Witnesses all the time say, we're Jehovah's Witnesses, just say, where's Jehovah found in the Bible? And Because it's not. But anyway, that's what they did. So we're looking at the, what some people call the angel of Jehovah or the angel of the Lord. And they say angel of Jehovah, but it's really not Jehovah. It's YHWH, personal name of God. But they didn't want to say that. 
Okay, so we're looking, number one, the angel of Jehovah. Okay, in the Bible, in the Old Testament, we find this being called the angel of Jehovah. Not an angel of Jehovah, not a angel somehow, of, 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 but it's, uh, uh, it's the angel. So who is the angel of Jehovah? It's the personal name of God, and the angel of Jehovah, the best that we can tell, is that the angel of Jehovah is the pre-incarnate Christ. So if you just want to write out beside there, the pre-incarnate Christ. And you know what I mean when I say pre-incarnate Christ? Does anybody know what that means? Okay, before he became a person. Here is, here is Jesus. Let's just say it this way. Here's Jesus, the son. And he's uh, Joshua in the Old Testament. You know, here he is coming. And then he dies on the cross. Paid, oh, he, he becomes, sorry, was born in Bethlehem. This is the incarnation. Reincarnation is when you're born over and over again, which we don't believe in reincarnation, that thing. Uh, we do believe in being born again. Okay. Joshua and Jesus are the same name. Okay. Yeshua, the Old Testament. Joshua and Yeshua is the same name. Okay, so... Be, the pre-incarnate Christ means we think the angel of Jehovah was an appearance of Jesus before he took on flesh and became a human being. Now, we don't know for sure, but that's what we think. And I'll show you why many people believe this. Because this angel of Jehovah, this messenger of Jehovah, seems to be God. I've got little blanks right there. It says, he speaks as God and as identified as God. So he speaks as God and is identified as God, whoever this is. So I want you to turn to Exodus chapter 3. Just flip over there all the way, almost to the back part of your Bible. I mean, the front part of your Bible. Exodus chapter 3. Back to the front is what I was thinking. Okay. Everybody know who Moses is, right? Moses did real good. At the, when he got to 40 years old, he thought the Jewish people would follow him, and they're all in captivity, and he killed a man, and he had to run off and leave, and he was gone for 40 years in the backside of the desert. And in Exodus, he's in the backside of the desert, and this is when he's going to see the burning bush, right? So look what happened. This is Exodus chapter 3, verse 1. Now Moses was pastoring the flock of Jethro, and the father, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the west side of the wilderness. He came to Horeb, the mountain of God. What's Horeb, the mountain of God? What is that? That's the same as Mount Sinai. You understand, before he ever went to Egypt, he went to Mount Sinai. That's where he was pastoring the flock. And look what it says. What's the next verse say? The angel of the Lord appeared. And by the way, how is Lord put? All four letters are capitalized. It's Y-H-W-H. So the angel of the Lord, what would a Jewish person call that? They, no, well... They'd say Jehovah because they don't want to say that name, right? So the angel of the Lord, the angel of Jehovah, that's why we're calling it that, appeared to him in this blazing fire in the midst of the bush. And he looked and the bush was burning. Moses said, I better look over there and see why that bush is not burning up. And watch this. When the Lord saw that he turned aside to him, God called to him from the midst of the bush. The Lord and God are the same one right there. And look what he says in verse 6. I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God, the one in the burning bush, the one who is there, the angel of the Lord who is appearing to him. Who is the angel of the Lord? Who is he? He's God. So in Exodus 3, where it says 4 through 6, put the Lord, L-O-R-D. You can write that out and make all four capital letters. 
And then in verses 13 and 14, I want you to notice Dan, what Dan, because he asked him. He said, well, who are you? Who are you? And Moses said, behold, I'm going to the sons of Israel. They're going to say, the God of your father sent me. What's your name? And God said to Moses, now who's talking? Angel of the Lord's talking. He says, I am who I am. And he says, thus you should say to the sons, I am has sent you. So he, who does he say he is? He says, I am who I am. That's who he's right. That's who he is. And Judges, we just went to some of the, some of the, the Sam group went to see Samson. And at the very beginning, it didn't really go in much detail on this, but in the beginning of the story, a guy by the name Manoah is Samson's father. And before Samson's ever born, an angel appears to him. The angel of the Lord appears to him and gives him the prophecy. And then Manoah says, what, what, what's your name? And he said, why are you asking me my name? He said, my name is too wonderful. Wonderful counselor, mighty. It's God. And then he disappears. And, and Manoah says, oh my gosh, uh, we, saw the, we saw God. We're going to die. And his wife says, oh, if he'd have killed, if he'd want to kill us, he'd already killed us. He's not going to kill us. All right? And so in Judges, they see the angel of the Lord who is God. In Genesis 22, it's the same aspect. Abraham was willing to sacrifice his son. The angel of the Lord comes and restates the promises. All you have to do is put out beside Genesis 22 that he's talking about that. And then I just want you to fill in this last one just because of time. But in Zechariah chapter 1, the angel of the Lord speaks to the Lord. And what does that mean? The angel of the Lord speaks to the Lord. So angel of the Lord speaks to the Lord. Who, who's talking to who? The son's talking to who? To the father. Exactly. So when you look at this, the angel of the Lord appears to be the pre-incarnate Christ. Nobody can say for sure, but it's sure every time the angel of the Lord comes, they find out the angel of the Lord is God. And sometimes he has some kind of form. And the best that we can tell so far is the Father and the Spirit, we don't see forms from them. But we do from the Son. So at the very bottom is after, and, and here's, here's the, the, the wildest thing. After the incarnation of Jesus Christ, there is no, never another mention of the angel of the Lord. After Jesus became a person, never again is there a manifestation of the angel of the Lord. So it appears to be that the angel of the Lord was probably somehow Jesus in some form before he became a person. That, that makes sense? I'm, I'm, well, I don't know if it makes sense. Uh, it, it's something we can understand. By the way, this is called a Christophany or a Theophany. Theophany means a God appearing. Christophany is a Christ appearing. And sometimes there's Theophanies in the Bible or Christophanies in the Bible in which God or Christ appears in some way. And most of the time that the, Christ, the, the Christophanies happened before the incarnation of Jesus Christ. Okay, questions or anything about the angel of the Lord? I just wanted you to see that. Because you're going to see it in the scripture and you're going to go, who is this? Because we've got a number of places that he shows up. Okay, now, ready? Angels ministry to Christ. Wow, you're going to be surprised. I was surprised as I started looking at the places. The more I saw it, I kept going, gosh, they're, they're there. Oh, gosh, they're there. It's just they're, they're everywhere. So as we look at this, we're going to be surprised how much angels are connected with Jesus Christ. Think back just for a second at the fall. This is before we even start this. Adam and Eve were in the garden, and what did they do? They, they sinned, and, and, and God then provided a way of salvation. He said, the seed of woman will crush the head of the serpent. But he didn't let them stay in the garden. 
Wonder why? It, that, well, they'd just be they'd be in a state of fallenness forever from eating that. So he drove them out. And what did he do when he drove them out? He put a what? An angel, a flame. A, what kind of angel? What was it? A cherubim. Exactly. You know those cherubim. They're tough. Listen, you don't want to mess with a cherubim. Yeah, you, you know a cherub. It's not an angel you want to mess with. Well, first of all, you don't want to mess with any of them. But let me tell you, every time you turn around, cheer them, they're fighting. They're, they got swords. They got, they're tough. So uh, they, he put flaming sword, flaming sword, and an angel saying, you can't come back in here. So I just wanted to kind of start with that when we think about these angels. It, first, uh, Genesis 3.24, so he drove man out east of the Garden of Eden. He stationed the cherubim, actually more than one, it's plural, and the flaming sword which turned every direction to guard the way to the tree of life. So let's start. Let's talk about the angel's ministry to Christ. And you can turn to some of the places, and some of the places, well, just say we know the verses, we know what it's talking about. But the first one, number one, they predicted his verse, uh, his birth. The angels predicted predicted his birth. <clears throat> Luke chapter 1, as you remember, the angel comes to who? And, well, it came to, in verse 26, the angel, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin. So what did the angel tell her? You're going to have a son. You're going to have a child. You're going to have a son. You're going to have the king. In fact, he's going to take the throne of his father, David. Now, last Sunday morning, you got verses right next to Matthew 1, 18 through 23. Does that seem strange? Those are the exact verses we did last Sunday morning, right? What happened last Sunday morning? This is where they, they've told them to get out and Joseph in the dream, take the, Mary, take the child. And this whole idea is they predicted the verse. Then ver number two, number two is they announced his birth. The famous passage is Luke 2, 8 through 15. Where is that? What's going on? Tell me what's happening there. That's right. This is, this is that, that out between, between Bethlehem and Jerusalem. How far is it between Bethlehem and Jerusalem? Six miles. Between Bethlehem and Jerusalem, there's all of these fields. And out there are these shepherds. And these shepherds are taking care of this flock. What are these flocks for? Sacrifices in the temple. That's how they made a living. They raised their animals and then took their best animals into Jerusalem to be sold so that people could buy sacrifice. Because if you lived in the northern part of Israel and you decided you were going to have a sacrifice, you didn't want to take your animal 100, 200, 250 miles. You just said, when I get down there, I'll do what? I'll buy a good one. Who was selling them? The shepherds were raising them and bringing them into the temple area. So these shepherds were out keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, a what? An angel of the Lord. Not the angel of the Lord. Not the angel of the Lord. An angel of the Lord. Good news. Great joy to all people. Born this day in the city of David as the Savior Christ the Lord. And suddenly there was this host of angels. Not singing. Didn't say singing. Everybody wants them to sing. Probably when you get there, you go, could y'all sing? And they, we didn't sing. We didn't sing. We're not, we're not going to sing. Don't ask us to sing. What a spectacle. The sky was filled with these spirit beings announcing to the shepherds that the long-awaited Messiah had come. Can you imagine? Think about this. If, if this is the incarnation, this is Jesus being born, can you imagine go all the way back to Genesis, the seed of woman, and, and then the seed of Abraham and the seed of Isaac and Jacob and David, all, uh, Daniel, all, all the way there born. Think of all of mankind technically. Because Adam and Eve knew there's a Messiah coming. 
a Savior coming. No one knew about a Savior coming. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. All of a sudden, that night, a group of what they would call the lowly people. The lowly people. Shepherds smell. Shepherds stayed outside all the time. Shepherds took care of animals. There were other people with jobs that were a lot different, and people would say, don't bring a shepherd in here. A tanner or a shepherd, because tanners had to deal with dead animals, and they don't want them. See, tanners usually lived a little bit outside the city. They did. And the shepherds, a lot of times, they didn't have really good places to live. And so to the lowliest ones, God appears. Angels appear to say, the Savior is born today. I love that. Don't you love that? Good news, great joy to all people born this day in the city of David is a Savior. Who is it? Christ the Lord. Wow. I love that. Angels announced it. Angels got to announce the Savior of the world was born. Because what's the plan? Perfect God brings sinful man back to himself using his... Well, how does he use his son? How does he use his son? Huh? But, but to be a sacrifice, you got to what? He, to use his son, he had to become a person. And who gets to announce that the person is born? Angels. Angels say, we got, a, we got some big jobs. We got some big stuff. Number three, they protected the baby Jesus. We, we just we saw it, didn't we? And we're going to see more uh, next Sunday morning. Herod the king had been appointed by the Roman government when the wise men came and said, we want to see the one who was born king of the Jews. He decided he would kill them all. Anything two years old and under about the time that the star had appeared, about the time that he had heard about, and this is what we saw last Sunday morning. We, we hadn't gotten all the way to it yet. We've got the angels warning the wise men. But if you want to just write down to Matthew 2, 13 and 15, the, the angel warned Joseph. How did he warn Joseph? In a dream. Every time an angel comes to Joseph, it's always how? In a dream. It's going to be four times, four times in the first part of the book of Matthew, an angel comes four times to Joseph in a dream. And it's always an angel. And he says to him, you got to get out of town. Herod's going to kill the child. Later, after Herod's dead, who comes to Joseph and tells him to come back to, to Israel? Angel. So it's the angel is the one there. Now, look at this next one. And this one has got some good things in it. This is number four. And this is the angels ministered in his life and ministry. So let, let's, I'm gonna write, we're going to write some of this stuff down because I want you to think about it. Angels ministered to him. So number four is the angels ministered in his life and ministry. They saw him. They watched him. Uh, Hebrews 1.6, you know what it says? The angels worship Jesus. Just write out besides 1.6. Angels worship Jesus. Of course, Jesus is supposed to be worshipped by everybody, right? I mean, he's, he's, the, he's it. He is everything. And so even the good angels, they worship him. In 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, it talks about Jesus. And here's a line. Listen to this. Uh, 1 Timothy 3, 16, just listen to this. By common confession, he was revealed in the flesh. He was vindicated in the spirit. He was seen by the angels, proclaimed among the nations, believed on in the world. So if you want to write out by 1 Timothy 3, 16, he was what? Seen by the now, what does that mean? Seen, just think about this. What does that mean? Angel said, I see him, I see him. Is that what that means? Does that mean he's the angel saw him? 
Saw him in what way? Listen. He was vindicated of the Spirit. He was revealed in the flesh. He was seen in the, by the angels. He was proclaimed among the nations. He was believed on in the world. He was taken up into glory. What does it mean when it says seen with by the angels? It's, they saw his ministry. They saw, what did he come to do? What did he come to do? He came to do something for what? Mankind. And they're going, what? <laughs> what is this all about? It's amazing. If you had an angel right here, an angel would say, we don't get it. We don't know why you are that important. He created us first. We're more powerful. We can do anything. We're never going to die. We're the good ones. Why in the world would he save you? First of all, why did he even create you? Because he doesn't need you. And then, when you rebelled against him, like some of us did, and when we rebelled, God, got, he just got rid of us. The good ones are here, the bad ones are gone. When you rebelled, he didn't just get rid of you. And we don't understand it. But yet they rejoice when an unbeliever Exactly, begins. exactly. They may not understand it, but for some reason they... And they're there when you die. And they protect you when you don't even know it. And they serve you. And so if you're this angel and you go, and I don't even get it because I have to serve you. Right? You ever thought it from an angel's side? So they ministered to Jesus. And that's the, you know what? I guarantee they say, hey, we're supposed to minister to him. He's, he's the eternal God and we're a created being. We only exist because he allows us to exist. What should we say? We serve him. Why? Because he's the eternal God and we're just a what? Created being. He allows us to serve Him and to live for Him. Let's think about some times that they ministered in His life and ministry and put A, the temptation by the devil. Go to Matthew chapter 4. We're going to get to that uh, in a few Sunday mornings, not very long from now. Matthew chapter 4. Uh, I don't know. if I got temptation by the devil. devil's doing the temptation. Okay, is everybody coming at Matthew? Matthew 4, let me just read something to you. The verse we're going to look at is verse 11, but Matthew 4, 1 says, that your, uh, Jesus was led by the Spirit in the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Have you ever read that verse? What does that verse say? The, so who was leading Jesus? To do what? To go and where? To be what? The Holy Spirit said, I'd like for you to go out there and be tempted by the devil. <laughs> me? <laughs> now? That was the plan, by the way. We don't even think about that, do we? Jesus was led by the Spirit of the Lord to be tempted by the devil. He had fast forwarded and tempted and all that stuff. And he said, get out of here, Satan. And he was gone. And then verse 10, and Jesus said to go, Satan. It's written to you, shall worship the Lord your God only. And then the devil left him. And then what happened? Angels came and began to minister to him. So write that down. Angels ministered to him at the temptation. What did they do, I wonder? Let me ask you a question. Jesus Christ became a human being, right? Perfect human being. Completely a human being. Could he ever fall down? Do you think he spilled his milk when he was a little boy? Yeah. Do you think that he got hungry? Did he get tired? Did, uh, did his feet hurt when he walked a long way? Yeah. Did he get hungry? 
Do you think that he was really hungry after being tempted for how many days? Forty days and forty nights? Do you think he was hungry? Would you be hungry? Yes. Listen, he needed to be ministered to, right? What did you think they did for him? I think they gave him something to eat, probably. He probably said, cheeseburgers. Anybody got any cheeseburgers? Yeah, whatever. So here they are at the temptation by the devil. He is there. Another one, I put this one down, and this is not so much angels helping him, but I just wanted you to see his contact with the bad angels. Uh, in Matthew 8, 28, uh, 28 through 33, and then Mark and Luke, you, I, I can give you the verses. But this is where he cast out all these demons. He's casting out these bad angels all the time. So if you just want to write down, uh, just put, he, dealt, he cast out demons. And I just put that because that was part of his ministry that he dealt with these angels. Matthew 8, uh, I've got it already written down there for you, 28 through 33. If you want to write down Mark 1, 32 through 34, same thing. So just... Mark 1, verses 32 through 34. They just have those down, just for some verses there. C. Huh? B is cast out, he was casting out demons. I just threw that in there for you. Okay. C. The garden. The garden. Luke 22. While you're turning there, tell me, tell me about the garden. That was, yeah, yeah. He came to the garden, but he didn't come to the garden alone, did he? What's the garden? The garden of Ga- garden of what? Gethsemane. What does it mean? Do you all know what that means? It, Gethsemane means place of the olive press. It was, it was olive trees there. It was on the side of a mountain. But let me show you something. Just for fun. Do what? See, yeah, okay, uh, yeah, we're on C. A, the temptation by the devil. B, casting out the demons. C, they're going to minister to him in the garden. And there is, there is Jerusalem, which is bent, bent on the mount, uh, uh, Mount Zion, Mount Moriah. Over here is another mountain called the Mount of Olives. It's called the Mount of Olives because all down the side of this mountain are these olive trees. And there's a place called Gethsemane, which means the place of the olive press. They would bring the olives there and they'd press it. And then you, this is a, a valley. This is Kidron Valley. And then as you get to the top of the hill, there you, of course it's flatter than this. I just made it as two hills so you could see it. And this is, this is the temple. It's built right there. And so Jesus is in this garden. And on top of this hill, and you go this way, there's a little town called Bethany. There's another little town. There's three little towns on top of this place. They're not, they're not even, I mean, they're hardly anywhere from Jerusalem. Little bitty towns. And listen to this. So he was in the garden. He prayed, and he was praying, and, and remember that he kept, the guy, he kept going to the guys and telling them, pray with me, and they kept falling asleep. And in 22, verse 41, he withdrew from them in a stone's throw. And then in verse 43, look what it says. Now an angel from heaven appeared to him, strengthening him. Because he, being in great agony, was praying very fervently, and his sweat became like drops of blood falling upon the ground. Who strengthened him? Angel. What's the big deal? I'm going to throw this out. You tell me the big deal. Hey, listen, he's God. He knows what's fixing to happen. He's going to go to the cross. He's going to die. Three days later, he's rising again. What's the big deal? Has he ever been separated from the Father? Never. Is it going to hurt? Listen, he's a person. 
Does it going to hurt when they put the nails to the, when they whip his back? Does he know they're going to whip his back? Does he know they're going to put the nails there? Does he know they're going to stab him through the nail? Does he know they're going to do all this to him? I mean, if you go to Psalm 22, he wrote it long before it ever happened, a thousand years before it ever happened. But he can't say, it's no big deal. It's going to be horrible. That's why he said, if possible, let this cup pass from me. But nevertheless, your will. So, angel came, ministered to him. One more, the arrest. D is his arrest. Matthew twenty six fifty three, And Peter pulls out the sword which it's a good thing Peter was a fisherman and not a swordsman because he can't do anything with it. He cut the guy's ear off. His name was Malchus. He was a servant of the high priest. He cut his ear off. Jesus reaches down. or Actually, Jesus just touches him and the ear comes back. And he turns to Peter and said, Put the sword up. And he says, Couldn't I call what? A legion? What? He could call how many? Twelve legions of angels. How many is a legion? I think it's 6,000. Anyway, he could call 72,000 or 60,000 or whatever we want to say. Uh, if one angel killed 185,000 Assyrians, what could 72 angels do? 72,000 angels do. So there it is. So think about this. They were, they were at, the, at the beginning of his ministry, at the temptation. They're in the garden. There is a rest. And how many angels? So, you know, you write down 72,000, whatever you want to write. Number five, there it is, Resurrection. There's his resurrection. Matthew 28, the one. Who rolled away the stone? Angels rolled away the stone. And, and, and I don't know if I have the other verse. If you go to Luke, also uh, um, in Matthew 28, 6, it says, He's not here, he is risen. Come see the place where he is lying. That's an angel that said that. In Luke 24, 4 through 8, the two men in dazzling apparel, and what did they tell him? They said, Why have you come looking for the living among the dead? Who's there? Who's at the resurrection? Angels. Ain't, well, yeah, a person. But what? who's there? Angels are there. It's at the top of the very next page. If you look at the top of the next page, Luke 24, verses 4 through 8. I tried to put as many verses in as possible. I just want you to see it. The bottom line is, they're at his birth. They're at his ministry. They're at his death. They're at his resurrection. Look at this next one. They're at his ascension. Turn to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. You know, we don't talk about this one very much. We talk about Jesus Christ leaving the glories of heaven to become a person. That's his incarnation. So we talk about him being born. We talk about him dying. We talk about him rising. But we don't talk about him ascending. He did. Angels were here when he was born. Angels were here when he died. Angels were here when he rose. Angels were there when he ascended into heaven. Acts chapter 1, he takes them in. They go out to the Mount of Olives, and he's talking with them. And he says all this stuff. And they say, is this the time for the kingdom? And he says, no, 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 no. It's not for you to know the time of the epics. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit come upon you. And you'll be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. He just gave them a command to go take the message of Jesus Christ to the world. And right there, he ascended into heaven and they were gone. He was gone. And they watched him. It says they watched him rise up and disappear out of the clouds. And guess what? Who was there? To angels. And they said, what are you doing? What are you doing? Looking, get back to Jerusalem. He told you to well, wait to Jerusalem. They were there. There's more. Not only with that ascension, 
They predicted his return. They predicted his return. Acts chapter 1 verse 10, it says, Two men stood by in white clothing. And then verse 11 says, Men of Galilee, why you stand looking in the sky? This Jesus who was taken up from you in heaven will come in just the same way as you have watched him go into heaven. Now, let me ask you something. He ascended into heaven from where? Man of Olives. Where is he coming back? Man of Olives. Where will Jesus come when he returns? Zechariah chapter 14, verse 4. He will come back to the Mount of Olives. And by the way, if you've ever studied this, this is the second coming of Christ, right? Now, let me make sure we got this. First coming of Christ, he came to what? He came to die. And then there's the church age. And then there's the what? And that's coming in the clouds. That's not a coming, is it? Okay. Then there's the tribulation. And then there's the second coming of Jesus Christ. And that's, that's to what? To rule and reign in righteousness. So we're talking about the second coming of Jesus Christ. And when he left here, he left from the Mount of Olives. When he comes back here, he's coming to the Mount of Olives. And you know what's going to happen when he comes to the Mount of Olives? You may know. He's going to land on the Mount of Olives. What's going to happen? It's going to split in two. The whole mountain is going to split in two when he comes back. And water, fresh water, is going to flow from Jerusalem down the Jordan River into the Dead Sea, and the Dead Sea will become fresh water when he comes as the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Wow. Wow. Okay. Now, that's, the, uh, that's his ascension. They predicted his return. Number eight, they're going to come with Jesus when he comes in the rapture. That's right here, isn't it? That's when he comes to get us. 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 13. In verse 16 it says, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. They're coming back. When, he co when, when he's coming to get us, the archangel's coming with him. An angel's coming. Does he need these angels ever, at any time, in any place, or anywhere? Does he need them? Could he do anything he wanted to do, any time, any place, anywhere? And yet, he's got angels with him at his ascension. Angels with him at his birth. Angels, and he's coming in the clouds and coming back to get us. Angels, when he ministered on the earth, he's there, there, all the time. Now, here's one you may have not thought of. Number nine. They will be with him at the time of rewards. We all know we're going to stand before Jesus Christ and be what? Be rewarded. Matthew chapter 16. Listen to this. Matthew 16 verse 27 It's for the Son of Man is coming with His glory and with His angels and will repay every man according to their deeds. Who's coming with Him when He comes to reward? Repaying everybody both bit and bit. Who is it? Angels. They're coming. They're coming. In Luke this is, this is the one that amazes me. Luke 12. If you, do, if you got time, you can turn over there. If you don't have time, listen to this. This is Luke 12. And I think, do I have the verses there? Yeah, Luke 12, verses 8 and 9. And I say to you, everyone who confesses me before men, this is for rewards, right? Right? Yes or no? Yeah, yeah this has nothing to do with salvation. 
Every one of us who confess, every one of you who confesses me before men, the Son of Man will confess him also before the. Huh? No, it doesn't say that. Ah, what does it say? Angels of God. But he denies me before men will also be denied before the angels of God. Angels? Angels? Think about that. Well, isn't the angels coming to judge us? No. No. But they're there when God says, whoever denies me, I will deny them before the angels. I mean, he could look at the angels and say, see? See what happens? See what happens? Okay. <laughs> oh, I know. Oh, one of these days. Woo! Woo! Yeah, because a lot of people take this verse and they basically say to deny him means that you don't believe in him. Well, to deny him, they would say if you don't live right and you then you, you're not going to go to heaven. This is all about rewarding. This is to, okay, number, what are we? Number 10? Are we number 10? Okay, number 10. They're going to be with Jesus at the second coming. Okay, now I'm going to go fast through this because we're good. Okay, so A, under this one. This is they'll be with Jesus at the second coming. A, they'll be with him when he reigns as the king. And I'm not going to make you turn to the verses, but it's Matthew 25, verse 31. It says, when the Son of Man comes in his glories and his angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. The angels are coming when he comes as the king. Okay? B. They're going to come as he judges the unbelievers. B. Angels will be with him when he judges the unbelievers. I'm not going to turn there, but listen to this. Second Thessalonians 2. And he gave, he'll give relief to those who are afflicted when the Lord Jesus comes and will reveal from heaven with his angels in flaming fire, dealing out retribution to those who do not know God. Second Thessalonians. And, and by the way, it's supposed to be Second Thessalonians 2. So, well, double check that. I may have... Because see, some, sometimes this thing doesn't type it out exactly right. Second, second, second. Yeah, Second Thessalonians two, by the way, not one. Second Thessalonians two, seven and eight. C. Angels will be with him when the separation comes, and the angels are the one that are going to do the separating. And without just taking the time to go there, Matthew 13, that's the separation of the unbelievers, and Matthew 24, the separation of the believers. Angels will be there to separate. There's a parable which actually says the angels will divide the believers from the unbelievers. Yeah, they'll do it. And then 11. And by the way, there's a missed verse in 11. It's Hebrews 12, 22, and it's Revelation 21, verse 12, not verse 22. Revelation 21, verse 12. This last one is, they will be with Jesus in the new Jerusalem. They will be with Jesus in the new Jerusalem. Hebrews 12, 22 says, You have come to Mount Zion and the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to myriads of angels. Now, I've got one more for you that, that ties into the new Jerusalem. This is the last one. They tie into Jerusalem. This is Revelation 21, 12. Let me ask you, how, what does the city look like? Okay, okay. And what, what it's got what? Gates? Does it have gates? Yep. And the gates are made out of what? Pearls. Pearls. Listen to this. It had a great and high wall with 12 gates. And at the gates, 12 angels. Think about that. At the pearly gates, it's not Peter. 
<laughs> it's angels. It's angels. Angels are everywhere. They're at the beginning. They're at his birth. They're at his ministry. They're at his death. They're at his resurrection. They're at his ascension. They're at the coming in the clouds. They're at his second coming. They're at the coming of the, of the judgments. They're in the new Jerusalem. They're everywhere throughout the Bible all the way. Wow. So let me give you some quick applications and we'll be through for tonight and I'll go over the quiz real quickly. Number one, let's understand the identity of the, uh, let's understand the identity of the angel of the Lord. Okay, that's the first application. Let's understand who is, what's the identity or who the identity is of the angel of the Lord. Now you can answer it already. Who is it? We think it's, we think it's the pre-incarnate Christ. A, if you want to write down A, the, the angel was seen before the incarnation of Christ. The angel of the Lord was seen before the incarnation of Christ. B. The angel of the Lord is God. The angel of the Lord is God. We know that. Because it says it. Okay. C. The angel of the Lord is not mentioned after the incarnation of Christ. You can just put down simply, after Christ came, there's no more mention of the angel of the Lord. After he was born in this world, no more mention of the angel of the Lord. All right? Number two, number two application. Let's understand the angel's ministry to Jesus. Let's understand the angel's ministry to Jesus. Got it? Okay, A. They are at all key events. They're at everything. They're everywhere. They predict, they announce his birth, his ministry, his death, his resurrection, his ascension, the rapture, the second coming, the eternal state. They're everywhere. They're at every event. And B, they worship and serve Jesus Christ forever and ever. That's what they do. They worship and serve Jesus Christ forever and ever.